Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Today's podcast guest is Turkish-American Emmy-nominated composer, conductor and performer Pina Toprak, who is known for her work on everything from writing and producing music for Christina Aguilera's 2019 Experience live show in Las Vegas, conducting Billie Eilish's performance of No Time to Die at the 2022 Oscars ceremony to scoring Captain Marvel to Fortnite, the latter two projects which incidentally make Pinar the first female composer to score both a film and a video game with gross revenues of over $1 billion and $5 billion, respectively. She's here today to discuss her most recent projects, the new Netflix body swap film Family Switch, which stars Jennifer Garner and Ed Helms, and new open-world game Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora. Welcome along. Happy January. How are you? How's the New Year starting off? Hi, Alice. I'm great. Uh, New Year's starting out pretty pretty well, actually. It's it's sunny but cold in LA. Uh, So far, so good. A lot nicer than here, I'm betting. Are you a New Year's resolution kind of person? Um, Not too much. I try to, to modify certain things. I have a more of a um, there are certain habits that, that I say I'm not going to do. So it's, it's never like, okay, I'm going to start working out every single day from <laughs> now on kind of grand things, but it's, it's little modifications, which I find those stick more. Yes. So. Yes. You've got to keep it manageable and realistic, I suppose. That's good. I think that's the way to do it, to be fair. Um, okay. So, uh, I know you've got, well, you're, you've always got a lot of projects on the go. I know that from reading about what you've done before and what we've spoken about before, but recently, so let's delve into these. So you worked on Family Switch and Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. So if we start off with Family Switch, so anyone listening, this is on Netflix. So the premise is a family descends into chaos days before Christmas when a rare cosmic event causes the parents to swap bodies with their teenage kids so obviously shenanigans ensue I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it yet so um were you already a fan of you know the well-loved body swap films like Freaky Friday 13 going on 30 that kind of thing I was they're always really fun and for me what really attracted me to the project is is the director McGee I've been a huge fan of his and uh, to get the chance to work with him was was an absolute blast he's uh he treats music um so well he's so knowledgeable and it was just it was really really fun we had a lot of laughs oh, I'll bet yeah just from seeing what I've seen about it it definitely looks like it was a lot of fun and Jennifer Garner she can't stay away from these body swap things can she she's returning to form <laughs> I think <laughs> that's, that's true there is a little bit of a little homage to 13 going on 30 and all of that too is kind of it's it's good <laughs> oh nice okay and it, obviously it's a light it's a family it's a comedy film so how did you approach the score? You know, did the director have a specific idea in mind about how it should sound or was it left up to you, Pina? Well, um, it was it was, it was was a collaboration. He did have an idea about um, just kind of, it was almost like Edward Scissorhands-ish opening, mystery, you know, the choir and, you know, that kind of vibe. So that part... Uh, just right off the start, he was already already pretty clear on it, and he wanted it to be a timeless, timeless story. So orchestral, and you know, kind of what we would hope to hear from these sort of films. Um, but within it, there are so many other different cues, so many things that we have done. Uh, there's a, like a nod to Mission Impossible. There, there's just so many things that we have done in the score um, that uh, we just collaborated on and had a lot, a lot of conversations, and it was, it was great. And had you done many comedies before? Because obviously, I know you've worked across a big variety of genres and you know media types as well. But had you done this kind of comedy film before? 
I've done uh, a, a bit. Yeah, I, I did a film with um, shot uh, with uh, Jennifer Lopez called Shotgun Wedding um, last year, mm-hmm. and uh, that was like a romantic action, if you will. Um, and also before that, uh, The Lost City with with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. That was also in that kind of vain romantic action kind of uh vibe so and uh and comedy so it's uh it's it's always uh for me comedy is the it's, i mean it's really fun to write it's always the trickiest to to write because timing is everything uh where you have music where you take it out you don't want to step on any jokes and uh mm. you just want to enhance what's there so it's always tricky to find that that right balance which i i enjoy a lot i'm i'm a huge comedy fan in general <laughs> so I did, you know and I love laughing and for me trying to figure out okay if I just move this a little bit this way that's when you get the laugh oh if I do this oh that's when you get the laugh so it's it's fun to to, to play around with those okay yeah that's interesting leaving room for the laugh that definitely makes sense because you don't want to overstep on that moment and with that in mind did you do any research or do you uh, regularly watch let's say lots of different films just to keep a sort of an eye or should I say an ear on the type of uh, music that's used in certain genres and the way that the rhythm is for that? Um, Yes and no. I mean, in general, I do watch a lot of films, a lot of TV shows because First and foremost, I'm I'm a fan, so yeah. um, and I, I like to just know what what what's out there. When I'm working on a project, however, I try not to listen to other things that are in that vein. I don't want to be influenced by them, and I want to create my own thing. Um, so I, so yes, I do listen, but not the very. I don't. I try not to get close to it while I'm writing. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And yeah, you're a fan, but it's also research, Pina. You can watch TV and films and everything's research, so no one can judge. It's all good. Um, (laughs) And is that just for Christmas, isn't it? So so did any Christmas music or elements of that, you know, find their way into the score as well? Um, Yes, we do have. I'm just in its uh, orchestration, you know, we do have some of those magical bells and choirs and 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 things like that uh just to to bring that christmas spirit into the film and in some of those moments but i mean i think the film stands on its own regardless of when you watch it it's just really really funny and really entertaining it's, it's a really heartwarming family story as well okay wonderful and did you have a particular favorite cue you've mentioned just in passing there you know there's a sort of homage to mission impossible with the music there was there a favorite part for you to score uh for this film um, let's see. I did like the Griffith Observatory scenes a lot. Um, I, let's see, I, I, I like the last, the very last cue that's very special to me. Um, the opening as well. Um, there, there's so there's so many moments. Um, we, we had a lot of fun with it. And also, um, yeah, there, there's a scene with Ed Helms conducting. I won't, I won't ruin it, but we worked on a little thing there as well. So that was, it's just, it's just different variety of things that we, we we just played around it was really great okay wonderful okay let's move on to so avatar frontiers of pandora so huge huge game of course from the huge franchise so i take it you had seen the avatar films before and were familiar with the pandora world or did you have to do a mammoth binge watch session as a refresher because they're very long films aren't they i've been a huge avatar fan and i watched the first avatar film way too many times so um i did i mean it's uh, yeah i didn't really need a refresher <laughs> it was kind of a very 
devout fan of Avatar to the point where I was actually kind of um, when when James Horner passed away was the original composer of uh, the first Avatar film. Um, I was really heartbroken because I was a huge James Horner fan and it was a huge loss to the film scoring community. Um, and then my thought was, well, who's going to score? The next avatars and i would be lying if i didn't imagine uh i wanted to score the avatar film the the, the second one that didn't come my way and i was like oh man it was, a, it was a disappointment and simon did a fantastic job with the score of the second film um and then lo and behold pretty soon after <laughs> i got a call for the video game so i was like oh okay this is my this is my way in <laughs> this is this is how i get to be a part of this this franchise and um it was just for me it was a dream come true because what avatar has created it's it's, it's more than a film it's an experience um and and with this game how we're able to be really immersed in it and how we're able to experience everything sonically and visually. Um, it's just just really special, I think. Okay. And yeah, you mentioned James Horner there, that he, um, as you've said, passed away, sadly. So did you take any elements from his original Avatar score as a reference to link these worlds together sonically and build from there? Yes, we we have um, the the main the King Lore Forest. There are different regions in the game, especially that part um, has... It really pays homage to James Horner's uh, approach to to Avatar in terms of his harmonic language and his instrumentation. Um, and then beyond that, the other regions we try to kind of expand on. Um, is it, we we do a bit uh, different things with the other regions. Just wanted to expand. Okay, how how would it be if we actually uh, went beyond what that original Avatar sound? Um, so that was actually quite fun to be able to do both, both pay homage to the original and uh, to be able to have the freedom to do some other things as well. Okay, and of course you're no stranger to game scoring. You've composed the score to Fortnite. So how did this game compare to that? Oh, it's very different because Fortnite... Obviously, it's been around a long time, but when I scored it, nobody knew the games. I scored season seasons two, three, and um, so that was quite in the the beginning. And I remember um, I was I have two teenage boys, and they were obviously smaller than I told them, and my nephews as well. I told they're all video game players, and I said, "Yeah, I'm going to start working on this game." They gave me some codes for you guys to play with and check it out, and they didn't care at all because they thought, "Oh, it's just a game that my mom is working on." You know, <laughs> they thought it wouldn't be cool, and so I think the main difference is that we just genuinely had no idea how big Fortnite was going to become, um, and so it wasn't a known IP. It was you know. Um, and it was really fun because of that. We did a, we, we 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 had a lot of fun with it. Um, but with Avatar, there's a it's an established IP. We have to respect certain things within it. Um, and then, like I said, we were fortunate enough to be able to expand beyond it. Um, but knowing that there's already a fan base associated with Avatar, and we have to to do it justice, um, was uh, was important. Okay, and I bet you got some cool mum points for that as well, I'm sure. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Girl, what do you have to do? You've done such cool stuff. Come on, boys. 
love that. Um, I've seen as well, so the score was recorded over two years, uh, which doesn't surprise me because it must have been an epic project. Um, you know, more than 200 musicians from all around the world. I know you're used to working with large orchestras. I don't know about all over the world, but, you know, how much of an undertaking was this due to the scale and how did it come together? Um, yes, it was. Um, we, we, we did it in sections and there was a lot of planning involved and I have to... to to thank my my music editor Shai Rozo for that and our audio director and um, they kind of planned out the the master plan so to speak. Uh, so when we're what we're going to record when and what's going to get recorded how and um, so it's uh, it it was a lot of configuration and also because they're they're designing the game and implementing the the music as I was writing. So it was always like. Okay, we're going to do this batch first because they have to get that implemented into the game. And then we're going to do this batch and, you know, so on and so forth. So it was a bit of a, like an assembly factory line situation going on. And, um, and as, as far as the different orchestras we, we've had, um, we, we recorded in Scotland, Budapest, we had a Bulgarian folk choir, we had so many solos from different parts of the world. Um, it was it was just a really absolute absolute blast and really rewarding to see it come to life um, after such a long time. And of course, video game scores are now being played all over the world at concert halls by the best orchestras there are. You know, fans are clearly incredibly invested in this whole side of it, and they love the scores of games. They notice everything. So I'm curious: do you ever look at the comments online under videos of you know the soundtrack or the music from the games? I try not to read the comments. <laughs> I, I made that mistake earlier on, and it was always depressing because for every you know something great, there's just that one person who just can't wait to say something bad, um, and I would just be really upset. And I'm like, okay, I just don't need this. Okay, <laughs> and no, even, human nature is like you know you can read twenty wonderful things. Or even a hundred wonderful things, and then the one thing that's like not so great—that's your—that's what your mind remembers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, self-protection. No more comments. Okay, no, I think that's the healthy thing to do. That's good. Okay. <laughs> so, um, gaming, of course, uh, is very immersive. So, your role as the composer is integral to the gamer's experience. You're essentially curating the ever-evolving sonic world, I guess, for the player. So, do you? feel the pressure when you begin a huge project like this you know how did you even start with how you wanted it to sound and all the infinite possibilities the player can take um you know the saying how do you climb mount everest <laughs> one step at a time yeah. um it's 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 kind of like that you, if you look at the entire mountain it's just it's really overwhelming but then you take it down to kind of digestible chunks and we take we say okay this is what we're working on and honestly they were uh at ubisoft they were so organized with their mission they would give me uh like this google doc of like okay this is what we need these are the regions and in this region we're gonna now need and we kind of worked on a weekly thing so like this week we need this it needs to be these many minutes and um then we need uh, like transition cues, and because the, the way the the music gets composed and implemented into the game, it's it's all layers and it's all buildable and it's all dynamic and adaptable. So uh, a certain cue, depending on the weather, if it's raining and if it's daytime, that's going to trigger different layers of the music. So uh, you know, nighttime 
no rain, nighttime rain, you know, like yeah, different, yeah. different intensities. And um, so it's just more of a, it's, it's, it's a bit of a Lego situation, musical Lego. And they would, uh, they were very organized because ultimately they know what they're implementing into the game. I don't know how long of a loop they need for something. So they would send me a list of, okay, this is what we need. And I would just kind of go through that, that list. And that made it very, um, very workable that way. Okay, this Google Doc must have been intense. I can imagine there must have been a lot of comments and suggestions on here, but um, <laughs> yeah, big, big project. Well, very, very clear, I have to say. It was great. Oh, that's good. That sounds very organized. And I know sometimes sound designers hide a little Easter egg in game soundtracks. Is that the same for the com- the composer side of it? Is there any kind of cue that gets triggered that you know of if only someone does a very specific, you know, uh, task or something like that? I really feel like I should say yes to that because that would be so cool. Uh, but no. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Could have got an exclusive there. We could make something up. Maybe someone would never be able to do this task anyway. <laughs> I could probably ask the guys, can you guys do that for me? And maybe they would do it. <laughs> next time, next time. Okay, okay. And um, on to just some some of the, you know, tech that goes behind the scenes. We always like to talk about that headliner. So the music production kit behind the scenes that make your scores possible. I know you're a Steinberg Cubase user, aren't you? So when did you first use Cubase? Uh, so I switched over to Cubase from Logic. Um, I want to say fourteen, fifteen years ago, or something like that. Um, and uh, I, I've I've never looked back. It's uh, because as, as you know, for as composers, we look at our our software uh, more than we look at our partners. Sometimes it's just it's all you know that's what we're looking at all day long. So you might as well like what you're looking at, and it needs to get along with the way your brain is thinking. Because there isn't, I always say, the best software is the one that you know the best, and there's they all ultimately do a very similar thing. Um, but with with Cubase, it works really well with large templates i have i work with, a, with quite a large template and i find it very stable i find their um their support um very supportive <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh and those things for me that they're really important because they have installed in their development they're constantly evolving and they're constantly hearing from us. Um, you know, if, if I have a bug of any kind, they get back to me immediately and they resolve it immediately. Um, so I, I really feel that personal connection to the team. And um, and like I said, I just, I, I like how the software is designed and how it does things. It just works with my brain. Mm, that's fantastic. And do you have a particular favorite feature that you always use as a go-to or that you rely on, perhaps even without noticing it? Like you say, you're just relying on it constantly. You need to know it's working, don't you? I mean, there there's, there are a lot of things. I have um, two touch surface uh that, that that all the macros are designed. And I, I love how um, I think the, the, the fact that you can kind of customize and streamline your workflow um, and really think like a programmer would. Okay, I want, you know, if there are eight steps that I would normally want to do to accomplish something, you can create a macro for it and it's on my surface and it's it's immediately uh, executed. And there there's so many things. I love all the media editing features, I think, are... Uh, for me, they 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 don't compare to to anything else. Uh, again, it just works the way 
I would love them to work and and all the improvements that they've made, even with the latest Cubase 13, um, they're 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 a very exciting company and um and like I said, I look at it for many, 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 many hours a day. So there 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 are tons of features okay. that I'm very grateful for. Great. <laughs> and I've got to ask you about Avatar. Have you played it? Are you a gamer? I I I was more of a gamer. I I I feel like I should say I'm a gamer because I do enjoy it a lot. And most of my childhood, I was one of those uh, nerdy kids. I was either like you know playing my music or playing video games. Um, I started out uh, not to age myself, but I had a Commodore 64 and an Amiga, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I was really really into it. Now it's just you know my. My younger son, especially, he plays, um, and I, I join him sometimes. But I don't have the same amount of time to sit down and actually like finish a game anymore. Of course, um, but uh, I, I, I do play with my son. You're probably too busy composing the next score for the next big game, anyway, um, <laughs> rather than playing it. And with that in mind, are you allowed to share what you're working on for the rest of the year? Or you know, I don't want to get you uh, uh, in trouble with any NDAs, of course. <laughs> Yeah, no. Currently, there isn't much I can say. Unfortunately, um, it, it's it's funny how our world is. We like we we can't mention anything for the longest time, and then we do all these press things where we are nonstop talking about it. So it's two extremes. <laughs> yes, yes. I bet it must be very bizarre. Okay, well, I look forward to eventually hearing about whatever it may be. And I'm sure it's going to be something exciting and probably huge as well. So um, yeah, I look forward to hearing about that, Pino, and I hope it's going well. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining today. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much, likewise. All right. Thanks, Pina. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.